The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of Aussie-made on-demand videos to help you look to God daily. Be challenged by a series of apologetic interviews produced by Creation Ministries International and inspired by Helping Hands, which showcases people and organisations who make the world a better place. There are new videos being added every week in the free Vision Christian Media app. Just tap the Watch tab to see the growing selection. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Turning our attention to some very important issues today, and you might think uh, some philosophical issues involved here, but what might be causing some of the challenges that we face in the Western world? So our attention to the fact of divided Western nations, nations including Australia, increasingly secularised and even becoming more anti-Christian. And while many parts of the Christian church are flourishing, there is a general perception that church attendances have been decreasing over decades. Well, our special guest today says it's not only divided nations in the West with cultures in chaos, but also a conflicted church. Internationally renowned Australian Christian leader Ken Ham is concerned that reasons for a conflicted church include the notion that many leaders may be failing to properly equip believers to engage with a fallen world. Well, our guest today is one of the world's best-known biblical apologists and in-demand Christian speakers. Ken Ham is CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum and the amazing Ark Encounter in the US state of Kentucky. The centerpiece of the Ark Encounter is that life-size recreation of Noah's Ark based on the Genesis account in the Bible. He's also authored so many books, sold over three million books, and it is our absolute pleasure to welcome back to 2020 today, Ken Ham. Ken, welcome along. Hey, great to be with you again, Neil. Great to hear that Aussie accent. (laughs) Here we are in the middle of summer, Ken, and you've just experienced an ice storm where you are there in northern Kentucky. Yeah, maybe people in, uh, you know, uh, Queensland, for instance, wouldn't, or Western Australia, or, uh, you know, the, the warmer areas of Australia, probably not used to ice storms. And uh, ice storm, you know, it, the rain falls as frozen rain, and then it collects on the ground and builds up. We had two inches of ice. And so if you had a car parked outside, which a lot of people do, uh, you have to go out and chip off two inches of ice over your car. And the roads are very dangerous. They're very uh, slippery and so lots of uh, accidents and so on. But uh, it's, it's, it's that time when it, it's not cold enough for snow um, and we're right on the edge of it and we get ice instead. So it's, it's interesting. They're very dangerous, very beautiful, by the way, because the trees get covered in ice and they look like a crystal forest and then you get these stalactites of ice, but very dangerous because then tree limbs break and power lines come down and you could get speared by ice. So you have to be really careful. I can imagine the beauty and uh, I don't want to imagine the cold, but humble beginnings, Ken, most of our listeners will be familiar with your name. 
But uh, just take us back just briefly. Uh, humble beginnings here in Australia, a school teacher in the town of Dolby in Queensland. And from there to being one of the most sought after speakers and leaders in the Christian church around the world. Uh, just remember some of those early days for us back in Australia. Uh, yeah, in fact, uh, I began teaching in 1975 at uh, Dolby State High School. And that's where I gave the first ever apologetics talk on uh, the creation evolution issue in the book of Genesis at Dolby Baptist Church there in 1975. We made some of the best friends we've ever made in our lives uh, in Dolby. And then in 1977, I, I was there for two years and our first child was born in Dolby in 1976. And then I was transferred to Brisbane and in 1977, uh, I and uh, another colleague of mine ran the first ever, as far as we knew, a creation apologetics seminar. And we did that, and I displayed some of the books I'd obtained, and people wanted to get those books. They wanted the information. And so my wife and I uh, started a bookstore in our home in Sunnybank in Brisbane. And so that was really the beginnings in 1977 of the ministry. In 1979, I left school teaching to go full-time into the apologetics ministry, speaking all over Australia, and was invited to come and speak over in the States in the 80s. And in 1987, we moved over to America, to California, to help the Institute for Creation Research with Dr. Henry Morris, Dr. Dwayne Gish, uh, for seven years. And instead of returning to Australia, I back in... Because of my school teaching days and taking kids to museums and seeing them from a totally atheistic evolutionary perspective, the Lord gave me a burden. Why can't we build a creation museum? And in, in the 1980s, I and one of our board members uh, from Brisbane, John Thallon, uh, uh, knelt down on a piece of property and prayed that the Lord would let us build a creation museum. And God answered that prayer in Kentucky <laughs> many, many years later. Uh, but that was sort of the embryonic beginnings of it. And so in 1994, we actually, instead of moving back to Australia, moved uh, to the state of Kentucky with the purpose of building a creation museum. And the creation museum was opened in uh, 2007. So it'll be 15 years uh, this year, May this year, uh, that uh, w it would have been opened. And then the Ark Encounter, uh, we first talked about that in 2004, about building a life-size uh, model Ark once the Creation Museum was opened. And so we did that, and uh, we opened that in 2016. And we've had millions, millions of visitors from across America and around the world that have come to the Ark Encounter, the Creation Museum. We get over a million a year at the Ark Encounter, half a million a year uh, at the Creation Museum. And the Ministry of Answers in Genesis has become one of the biggest uh, Christian ministries, conservative Christian ministries in the world. And we impact conservatively directly 30 million people a year and indirectly tens of millions more. So it's uh, just incredible and amazing to see what God has done. Well, I had the wonderful privilege of visiting you there just a couple of years ago, just shortly before COVID, in fact. And uh, I can just say for listeners, uh, if you're thinking of an, a holiday itinerary to the United States, make that a part of your itinerary to visit the Creation Museum and the life-size uh, Ark Encounter exhibit. Hey, Ken, some will be saying... COVID has been a real challenge. Uh, how have you fared uh, with the Creation Museum, uh, the Ark Encounter? How's that all gone uh, for the last couple of years with you? 
Well, you know, because of uh, the pandemic, we were shut down in the state of Kentucky. The governor ruled everything had to shut down except abortion clinics. They kept them open and some of the supermarkets and so on. Uh, so we were closed for three months. But once we reopened, uh, we found that our numbers were actually exceeding the pre uh, COVID numbers, the pre-pandemic numbers. And ever since then, we have been busier than we've ever been. The whole ministry has actually grown. We found that there's an incredible hunger. More and more families are saying, we just recognize how important it is to have the right spiritual input for, for our families. And we want to bring them to the Ark and the Creation Museum, obtain Answers and Genesis materials. Uh, there's been a tremendous interest in spiritual things. We've, we've actually found that uh, God has used this whole situation to actually elevate the ministry uh, in a big way. And we're expecting a, a much bigger year, even this year, than we've ever had, just from the bus tours that are booking in. And, you know, it was interesting, even without, uh, you know, when we were shut down, then for, what, 18 months or so, uh, bus tour groups across America, I mean, bus tours just basically stopped. But even without uh, the bus tours, and we would get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of buses coming, bringing people from all across America, even without that and without the international tourists, when international tourism basically shut down, we still had numbers bigger than pre-pandemic numbers. So it just shows you the incredible interest. And I think this has all made people look at eternal things and what's really important in life. And uh, so many people have realized how important it is that they get their families to understand the truth. And they've used the Ark and the Creation Museum as witnessing tools. I mean, even today, uh, you know, as, as we're talking tonight here, our time, uh, Friday morning, your time, but even today, the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, our numbers way exceeded the numbers for the same day uh, for the last two years. So it's just it is just phenomenal to see what God is doing. We'll talk some more about the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum uh, perhaps shortly. But Ken, let's come to a topic today which is very, very important. You might even say it's penultimately important. So you've addressed something in a new book called Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. Uh, about your new book, you're addressing some important things here, but I highlighted in our introduction that you're concerned that some people in church are not being equipped to be able to engage with a fallen world. And of course, as the name of the ministry you lead, Answers in Genesis, points to uh, Genesis as a foundation. Give us some insight into the, uh, the importance of this latest book you've written. Well, one of the things I, I do in this book is to really focus on what I believe are some failures uh, in regard to teaching people um, the right way to think so that we know how to engage the culture. And, and for instance, I talk about the fact that most people have never been taught, and a lot of our churches aren't, aren't doing this, aren't equipping us to understand there's no neutrality, there's no neutral position. You know, non-Christians are not neutral, that everyone has a religion, everyone has a foundation uh, for their worldview, that ultimately there's only two religions, God's word uh, and man's word. And we've got to understand the right way to think here. You know, as Christians, we've got to step back and understand, look, ultimately, there's only two religions in the world. And there's a battle that really started back in Genesis, when God said to Adam, Adam, you can eat of all trees except one. 
in other words, obey God's word. And along came the devil and said, did, did God really say you can become as God? In other words, no, you decide truth for yourself. And what many people don't realize is what's happening today. And, and you know, I've had Christians say to me, why is Australia going the way it is? Why is America going the way it is? Or what we see in Canada, across our Western world, it's really no different than what's been going on all the time. You, you see, our Western world was permeated by, uh, you know, the Judeo-Christian ethic that comes out of the Bible. And even in the past, even in Australia, America, non-Christians once had more of a Christianized worldview, believing marriage was a man and a woman. Uh, we had uh, agreement basically on what was right and what was wrong, that, a, that abortion was wrong. There were two genders of, of humans, male and female. But what's happened today is that we see that that Judeo-Christian ethic, that veneer of Christianity that permeated even the schools, the public schools, and the culture as a whole has sort of been ripped back. And now we're seeing the real world for what it is. For people who no longer build their thinking on God's word, when we've had generations so secularized through our education system and have been taught it's man that determines truth, then think about this. If, if the Bible is taught against, the Bible is not true, it isn't, it's not the absolute authority of the word of God, that man decides what's right and what's wrong, then anything goes except the absolutes of Christianity. Because when you have a culture where anything goes, moral relativism permeating the culture, what can't go is someone saying, but God's word is true and building your thinking on God's word. Here's what's right. Here's what's wrong. Marriage is a man and a woman. Abortion is killing a human being made in the image of God. You see, immediately uh, you've got a conflict there and it's a conflict of worldviews. And many Christians have not understood this, have not understood the real battle. It's a foundational battle between God's word and man's word. They haven't been equipped with apologetics, uh, being taught how to defend the Christian faith and knowing how to give answers to those who attack God's word and understanding that, you know, when you look at all the issues in our culture, we could, we could talk about euthanasia, we could talk about the LGBT issues, you know, gay marriage, we, we could talk about abortion, all these moral issues, people need to understand they're all symptoms of the one problem. And the problem is people who build their thinking on man's word, not God's word, which means the solution is the same. And, and a lot of people look at it and say, how do we deal with the gay marriage issue? You know, all these LGBT issues, the racism issue, the abortion issue, the euthanasia issue. Well, the solution is the same. The solution has always been the truth of God's word and the saving gospel. And so we've got to understand that instead of uh, getting out there and, and don't get me wrong when I say this, we, we need to deal with these issues but we've got to get the arguments away from a conflicting worldview type of battle down to the foundational battle because that's where the real battle is at, that your foundation determines your worldview. And that's what I think many people don't really understand and don't know, therefore, the right way uh, to argue with people who have a different worldview to Christians. One of your uh, endorsers who wrote an epilogue in this book, this latest one called Divided Nation, uh, I forget her name, but she says uh, something that I thought was very insightful. There's a perception now that we go to school to learn history but we go to church to learn stories. If we talk about worldview here, Ken, there's something in all of us that needs to be adjusted to know where the foundations need to be laid. Any thoughts here? 
Yes, in 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 fact, you know, I I uh, I actually don't like using the word Bible story anymore for this for this particular reason. I uh, you know a lot of times in our churches we talk about you know let's have Bible stories and we teach our kids Bible stories. Actually, you know, we live in a culture where words have changed meaning. Even even the word God has changed meaning. I mean, years ago when you said God, people would think of one God, the God of the Bible, by and large. But today you say God, and it's which God? There are many, many gods. The word story used to mean history. When you said we have a story from the Bible, it would mean, uh, you know, a historical event, something that was true. But you say story today, and they say story. Story means fairy tale, you know, fiction, uh, fable. That's what story means today. And we've got to understand the change that's occurred in our culture. But the thing is, I think what what has happened is, in a sense, uh, a lot of our churches we've we've concentrated on teaching what's in the Bible, and and we would call them Bible stories. You know, the, uh, talking about Jonah and the great fish, feeding of the five thousand, Paul's missionary journey, Jesus on the cross, Noah and the ark. And and don't get me wrong, I believe those. But, but today's kids sort of look on them as just, just stories, but they're taught real stuff at school because they're taught about science and geology and biology and astronomy and, and so on, but all increasingly in our public schools from an atheistic worldview perspective. What we've missed out on in uh, a lot of our churches is teaching apologetics. You know, First Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to, uh, to give an answer or defense. And the word answer or defense comes from the Greek word apologia, from which we get a word apologetics, which means to give a logical reason defense of the faith. And so what we should be doing is teaching what the Bible uh, uh, instructs us. We need to teach the doctrine from the Bible and the accounts in the Bible, but we also need to be raising up people to contend for the Christian faith. So they need to understand how secularists think, how the world thinks. They need to understand the arguments that are being used against the Bible, and they need to uh, raise up generations of young people equipped with those answers so they understand the Bible is true and we've got answers to these skeptical questions. Because, you know, if you look at Genesis chapter 3, the first attack was on the authority of the Word of God. Did God really say? And it was to get Adam and Eve to doubt God's Word, that doubt lead to unbelief. If you jump over to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians eleven three, the Apostle Paul warns us that the devil's going to use the same method on us as he did on Eve to get us to that position of unbelief. And what was the method he used on Eve? To get us to doubt the word of God. And there's been particular attacks in our time on the word of God that we need to say, wait a minute, how is God's word being undermined and attacked uh, today so that generations are led astray? And of course, the teaching of evolution and millions of years in our schools and many churches have even, uh, church leaders have adopted that and many have given up the historicity of Genesis and said, uh, just, you know, trust in Jesus. But the whole message of Jesus, the message of the gospel is founded in Genesis. Not only that, Genesis 1 to 11 is actually the foundation for everything. If you want to deal with, with marriage, you've got to start from Genesis 1 to 11. There's the origin of marriage. You want to explain why there's death and suffering in the world, you've got to start from Genesis 1 to 11. If you want to explain why there's different people groups in the world, we're all one race, you start from Genesis 1 to 11. You want to deal with the abortion issue, you have to start from Genesis 1 to 11, understanding man is made in the image of God. And and so it goes on. And unfortunately, instead of being taught how to defend the Christian faith, answer these questions that have caused people to doubt God's word in Genesis, um, many uh, of the younger generation have been told that doesn't matter. You don't need to believe that. Trust in Jesus. But for them, 
the word of God has been undermined as a book of history. And so it's just a book of stories. You can't really trust it. They walk away from the church and, the, and they themselves become more secularized. And we can't deny the fact that in the Western world, church attendance has been decreasing generationally in America. 70% of people used to go to church. You go way back in generations. And of the baby boomers generation, my generation, 32% went to church. Right now, the latest church attendance figures for the younger generations, Generation Z and uh, the millennials, Generation Z, you would say in Australia, uh, I'm becoming too American, and uh, the millennials, um, it's down to less than 11% and dropping. And so we're losing those younger generations from the church. And I believe it's because they haven't been given the right foundation, taught apologetics, taught how to think correctly and be given a truly Christian worldview. Most of them have gone to the public schools where they've become very secularized and we haven't dealt with that in the right way in our churches is what I'd say in the majority of churches. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour is Ken Ham. You can call us 1-800-316-316. You might have a question or a comment, and you might even want to disagree. But, Ken, let me just ask you, and we'll get into some maybe some more deeper things as well, but let's keep this practical too for so many listeners who are saying, well, you know, a lot of this goes over my head. But if you're defending your faith as a Christian believer, you're pretty confident in your own testimony. But practically speaking, somebody comes up to you and they know you're a Christian. You know, They know you've had this thought or that about perhaps one of those moral issues and they're disagreeing with you. How do you defend your faith and how do you hold that conversation when someone may well be disagreeing and sometimes even attacking? What are your thoughts here? Well, let me give you a practical example, Neil, and I always find these practical examples help to uh, illustrate the point here. Um, you know, I, I've spoken at many, many conferences and had all sorts of people come up to me uh, who would disagree with me or want to, you know, challenge what I've said and get a lot of people who support too. Uh, but uh, for instance, I had this young man come up to me and he said, okay, he said, I'm gay and I believe in gay marriage. So what do you say to that? So the first thing I think to myself is, okay, if he's not a Christian, if he, if he claims that he, he's not, if he says he's not a Christian, how can I impose my worldview on that person if they don't have the foundation to understand it? And sometimes I've had them claim that they're a Christian, and I would, I would say, but they obviously don't take the Bible the same way that I do, and certainly don't take Genesis the same way I do. So regardless of what they say they are, when this particular person, I'm thinking one particular example, he come up to me and he said that, um, I, I'm gay and I believe in gay marriage. What do you say? And I said, well, okay, I'm a Christian. Can I explain to you why I believe what I do? Because I start from the Bible to build my thinking. And he immediately said to me, I don't believe the Bible. Don't give me that Bible stuff. Now, here's where I think a lot of Christians get it wrong. Because a lot of times we think, oh, they don't believe the Bible, so we can't use the Bible. Uh, so we've got to use some, some other method of talking to them or try to uh, reason with them in some other way. But if you give up the Bible, you give up your starting point for your worldview. We've got to understand the Bible is a revelation from God who knows everything. And so God has given us the key information to give us the foundation to build the right worldview. So we've got on the right glasses, if you like, so we understand how to look at the world correctly. 
And so when that person says to me, I don't believe the Bible, what I said to him was, well, I do. Um, have you got a problem with that? And I, and I said, why don't you believe the Bible? And then I bait them. And what I mean by bait them is I know what they've been taught, that the Bible's not true and science has disproved the Bible. And, you know, I, I, I start talking about, well, do you think science has disproved the Bible or why don't you believe the Bible? I start asking them questions to get the argument down to a foundational level. Because, you see, if it comes, when it comes to the worldview clash, he says he believes gay marriage, I don't. Um, what happens is we've had these people from the LGBT community that I've spoken to at conferences too. They say to me, but you give hate speech. And I say, why do you say that? And they say, because all we want is freedom uh, for all views and we want freedom for our view. And I said, but you don't want freedom for all views. And they say, yes, we do. You don't because um, you're the one that's saying that we're wrong. I say, no, wait a minute. You want freedom for all views. Okay, well, my view starts from the Bible. And I believe that there's only two genders of humans, male and female, and God created marriage and marriage is a man and a woman. So there's only one one marriage. And they say, well, now um, you're you're, uh, disagreeing with our uh, view, our worldview. And I say, yes. And they say, but but you should be tolerating all views. And I said, but you're not tolerating my view. And they say, but but wait a minute, you're intolerant of our worldview. I said, you're intolerant of mine. See, see the clash. The clash is that I build my thinking on the absolutes of God's word, and they're saying, no, we should allow all views, except they're not allowing my view that says your view is wrong. Uh, so, so the battle is at the foundational level. And so that's why what I do with these people, I say to them, okay, let's get down to why you believe what you do. You know, where does your worldview come from? Why do you not take uh, the view I do? Why don't you leave the Bible like I do? What's wrong with the Bible? And you know, I know they've been taught issues of evolution a millions of years, and I'll bring some of those up to see if that sparks something in them to, to say, well, I was taught this, or, oh, no, the Bible can't be trusted for this reason or whatever, and get the argument down there. Do you realize if people don't have the same foundation, and I recognize this, someone doesn't have the foundation that I do from God's word beginning in Genesis, they're not going to have the same worldview. And so you're never going to get anywhere with that worldview clash. And that's why when we look at what's happening in Australia, uh, you know, look at the, you know, the legislation uh, there in Victoria, or you look at what's happening in America or in Canada, uh, the United Kingdom. As Christians, we've got to understand something. It's actually a spiritual battle. And if someone doesn't have the foundation of God's word, that's why we're having this worldview clash. And you, you also start to recognize those people that you put into power in, in uh, Parliament or in America, in Congress, the Senate or whatever, their worldview depends on what they vote for and their worldview depends on the foundation they have. And so as Christians, we have to stand back and we have to realize the ultimate solution to all the issues is always been people need to get back to the foundation of God's word. It is what's true and to commit their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and build their thinking on the word of God. Uh, because until they do that, we're never going to get anywhere in this argument. That's why for us, the focus has always got to be the, the word of God, the saving gospel, but presenting it in a way that we are, are, are reaching them and arguing and using argue in the right way, uh, arguing with them in the correct way uh, to, to teach them really how where their thinking comes from, why we think the way we do. And to remember, ultimately, we can't do the convincing. It's God that does. 
because it's God through the Holy Spirit that convicts their heart. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And so ultimately it's God that does the convincing. Our responsibility is to do the best we can to argue in the right way and give them the right information. Call Robert is on the line from Colac in Victoria. Hi, Robert. Welcome along. Uh, hi, Neil. and Hi, Ken. Good to hear hi. from you, Robert. What are your thoughts? Ken, uh, you were saying how uh, reading stories from the Bible to our kids is giving them the concept of a fairy tale like stories usually are. How, what, how should we uh, introduce a story to kids to take that image away? What should we call them instead? Uh, yeah, that's a, a good question because certainly we want to teach them what the Bible teaches uh, because this is the word of God for all people for all time. Um, but I encourage people to say we're going to read this account from the Bible or this historical record. We live in a time when the Bible has been attacked as a book of history. And of course, the world tries to make out it's just fairy tales, it's mythology, can't be trusted. So in that sense, because of the particular type of attack on God's word today, we need to really emphasize with our kids that this is a book of history. In fact, I, I do kids programs uh, when, I, when I teach and, you know, at the Ark Encounter and when I uh, speak in churches all across the nation and around the world. And one of the things I do is I get, when I do the kids programs, I say to them, this is what I call the Bible, the history book of the universe. What is the Bible? And they say the history book of the universe. And that's what I want to teach them, that the Bible is a book of history. And and because the word story has changed meaning, um, and, and I know, you know, uh, we, we mean well when we say to our kids, we're going to read a story from the Bible, but, but generations past understood that as history. But today's generations, the word has really changed meaning, and we've got to really emphasize it as a book of history. So does that help? Yes, that's, that's good. Thank you, Ken. Robert, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Before we move on from this, there's even an exhibit on the actual life-size Noah's Ark, Ken, and you like to make a point of this too. You've got an exhibit there where you've got all of the books that are written as children's stories for Noah's Ark. Now, I just want to touch on this because I know you're passionate about it. You don't see Noah's Ark as a children's story. Noah's Ark is an adult story. <laughs> it's a real it was a real event in history and uh you know neil that particular exhibit we have all of these books if you look at most christian children's books and i'm sure many of our listeners if they've got books uh where the topic of noah's flood is covered though for kids and they look at the picture mostly noah's ark looks like you know an overloaded bathtub with drafts out sticking out the chimney about to sink at any moment and they're cute little funny little diagrams but I say, even though they're cute, I believe they're dangerous. It's interesting, the atheists each year do a protest outside the Ark Encounter, and one of the things they do is they hold up a sign that has a picture of one of these bathtub arks and say, you know, Noah couldn't fit all the animals on the ark. And I remember back in 1975 at Dolby High School, when I started teaching, one of the first questions that students said to me, sir, if you believe in Noah's ark, how could he fit all the animals on board? Which is why we answer that at the ark exhibit and talk about kinds uh, that he took on board, the dog kind, the cat kind, and they developed different species after the flood, but that's not evolution. Uh, so he took the kinds on board. 
board, far fewer animals than people realise. But the point is, the ark dimensions are given in the Bible. It was a great big ship, and that's why we rebuilt the ark to those dimensions, and it ends up being... Uh, what, 150 metres long? I've got to try to convert into an <laughs> Australian metric here. 510 feet long and uh, 85 feet uh, wide. So, you know, you're looking at uh, 25, 30 metres wide. And uh, it, it was an enormous ship, um, you know, and 15 metres high. I mean, incredible ship. And I, I've seen kids, when they've walked up to this life-size ark, look at it and say, wow, so big, Noah could fit the animals on board. And so when we have Noah's Ark pictured as a bathtub ark with giraffes sticking out the chimney, yeah, it, it's funny, it's cute. But what is it really doing? It's really reinforcing that this was a fairy tale. It, 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 it couldn't have held all the different kinds of animals and so on. That's why we need to really depict God's word uh, in, in Genesis. So these were historical facts. This is this really happened. This is real history. So we should depict it as real history, which is what we do at the Creation Museum uh, and the Ark Encounter. In fact, one of the new things we have at the Ark Encounter is a virtual reality ride where you can uh, go into this building. You, you sit in these seats that move and blow air on you and so on. You put on virtual reality goggles. You're immediately inside a spacecraft. You meet a robot. You fly back to the time of Noah and see the Ark and see how big it is. And you feel like you're having a real ride back to Noah's time because we want people to understand how big it was, and this really uh, was a historical event. It, it, it wasn't some fairy tale. Well, the idea of high tech. Uh, uh opportunities to go back and see those biblical accounts the historic Genesis account 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation let's take another call Brent is in Merrigum in Victoria hi Brent welcome along thank you very much how are you going very well Brent what are your thoughts um, well I, I believe that as Christians we are sinners right and that we have a sinful nature but many Christians and Christian leaders don't believe this in the area where I live, but to, to engage in the fallen with the fallen world, I think that um, Christians we need to know that Christians need to know that we are the same as the non-Christians that, that we are sinners, and I know that we're sinners saved by grace. Um, what do you say, Ken? Ken your oh, thoughts well, for Brent? Yeah. Um, well, Romans, Romans 3, for instance, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, you know, Jeremiah seventeen nine, the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So we all have that sin nature, you know, as it says in uh, Romans 5, by one man sin entered the world and so, um, uh, and death by sin. And so uh, death came upon all men. In other words, we all die. Why do we all die? Christians die, non-Christians die, because death is a penalty for sin. And of course, you know, we are, uh, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the Bible says the judgment. And so even though our bodies die, we continue to live. And those that have trusted Christ for salvation know that they're going to live for eternity with the Lord. Those that haven't have a second death where they're eternally separated from God. But I think the point that we need to understand is as Christians, uh, even though we still have that sin nature, we now um, continually and and every day continue to conform our, our what we how we behave and what we do uh, to uh, the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look at Christ to become like Him, and we become new creatures. That's what the Bible says. So we still live in those sinful bodies. Uh, we still have that sin nature, but now we are regenerate, 
And so uh, one of the things, you know, Paul talks about that, that he still has that struggle uh, because we still have that sin nature. That's which he would, he does not. That's which he, he should do, he doesn't, and so on. And uh, so we still struggle with that sin nature. But it also makes us realize, you know, the Bible says we are dead in trespasses and, and sin. And so someone who's not a Christian, you know, I, I had a brother who was a pastor and he would also say, non-Christians are walking dead people. And remember this, when Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, Lazarus couldn't raise himself from the dead. It was only Jesus who could raise him from the dead. But Jesus said, move the stone away. So people's responsibility was to move the stone away. And it's God who raises the dead. And so when we're witnessing to a non-Christian, our responsibility is to do what God says. Roll that stone away. Teach them the word of God. Give them answers uh, to the skeptical questions of our age, things that cause them to doubt the Bible. Show them that we can defend our faith and then point them to the word of God and the saving gospel. And we know it's God who saves. All we can do is do our best to give them all the information we can to defend the Christian faith and uh, give answers and point them to the word of God that saves. Brent, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Ken Ham is our guest. Let's take another call. Cindy is in Benalla in Victoria. Hello, Cindy. Welcome. Hello, um, I've got a similar question. Um, in the Old Testament, I know they didn't have Jesus till the New Testament, but still it goes further than that um, because Jesus was only in one area of the world. So what did the whole world do, especially the Asian countries who only had idols, do from day one till now to believe in Jesus to get to heaven because he's the only one because they only had idols. So, what, so when, did, when they die, where did they go? And the second question is... <laughs> We, the ones that do believe, like me, <laughs> I did the prayer, I did the baptism, but I've backslidden. I don't read the Bible because I think I already know enough by, you know, and I've heard enough in church. Um, and so it's confusing for me anyway because I get confused with words and understanding. So I don't really do and I don't really read, but I've been, I've said the prayer to get to heaven and I've been baptized. Do I still get there? Cindy, thanks so much for your honesty in all of that. Uh, Ken, your thoughts for Cindy, because Cindy would be reflective of, no doubt, lots of people listening to our conversation. Oh, I wish we could sit down for a couple of hours, Cindy. You brought up so many different things, and I have to be quick because this is a radio program and we can only have give short answers here. But, uh, hey, you know what? When you, when you read God's Word, um, He tells us who we are, where we came from, uh, and that we descended from Adam and Eve, and because Adam rebelled and we're all descendants of Adam, we're all sinners. But you, as you read God's word in Genesis, you know that from Genesis uh, 3.15, uh, God gave the promise of a saviour. And in Genesis 3.21, God killed animals and clothed Adam and Eve. Humans wear clothes um, because God gave clothes because of sin, and it was the first blood sacrifice covering for their sin, a picture of what was to come in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's interesting, when God... Uh, talk to Adam, he said, don't eat the fruit of the tree. In other words, it was what we would call a covenant of works. In other words, uh, he was to obey what God said, but we disobeyed. And so now 
because we're sinners, um, we can't do anything that, that will save ourselves. That's why scripture says, by grace you say through faith, it is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It's only God who can save us. And back there in the garden, God was showing Adam and Eve that one day someone would come to take away their sin. And until God's son stepped into history to be Jesus Christ, the God-man, to die on a cross, be raised from the sin, people back then are saved in, in the same way we are. They were looking forward uh, to uh, what uh, uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ would do. They didn't understand it all, but they knew that someone would come. But they were saved by faith, Abraham, by faith. Uh, and that's what the scripture says. And Noah, uh, by faith, we're, we're saved through that faith. And of course, now um, we understand that God's son stepped into history to save us. And that's why the scripture says we uh, must be born again. I, in other words, we must put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and be born of the spirit of God. And so um, when you look at Romans 1, uh, Romans 1 tells us that it's evident to all that God is creator. And if you don't believe, you're without excuse. So it doesn't matter who anyone is. Um, God has written, given us a conscience. He's made it evident to all that he's creator. And so they're without excuse. And you know what? Um, there's other scriptures that we could point to that if, if we want to search for truth, if we want truth, God will give it to us. And uh, he He is the one who is the righteous judge. And as it says in, in Genesis, you know, um, uh, it says, uh, uh, Abraham said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Remember, we are finite humans. That's who we are, finite humans. And so we can't uh, understand everything that God does, but we know that he's going to do right and he is the righteous judge. And, you know, for you yourself, you know, can I say this? You are honest with us. It's not just a matter of saying a prayer. It's not just a matter of being baptized. It's a matter of being like Nicodemus when, when he was talking to Jesus. And Jesus said, you must be born again, Nicodemus. You must be born of the Spirit of God. If, it, it, you know, um, if, if you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he's the one uh, who saves us to come to him in repentance. If you repent of your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from, from all unrighteousness. And that's what we need to do. Repent of our sin before the Lord, put our faith and trust in him. And he is the one that saves us. And that's how we can know that we're going to heaven. It doesn't matter what happens. We know we're going to heaven because he is the one that saves us. We don't save ourselves. He's done it all. And so we must commit uh, our lives to him. Cindy, thank you so much for your call. Before I let you go, I mean, so many will say, well, I've said the prayer, I've even been baptised, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've ticked the boxes, I'm going to heaven. But this concept of discipleship uh, is going to come down to how we understand what God is doing, what his purpose is in the world. And let me encourage you, Cindy, to get a hold of some resources at a level that you think uh, that you'd be able to understand those that will help you to engage with the Bible and to be able to understand some deeper things when it comes to our faith. Cindy, thank you so much for your call. And Ken, just before we leave this topic here for a moment, uh, parents get a hold of resources so that they can teach their children the Bible. Sometimes as parents, we're not that far beyond what we're trying to teach our children. So there's all sorts of different resources that you know start simple and build up to adult complexities. But what's your advice here for people to maybe just evaluate where they're at with their own faith, with their own understanding of the scriptures, their own understanding of you know apologetics and defending our faith, where they might start? What are your thoughts, Ken? Uh, 
Well, it's a good question. I always tell people you need to start in Genesis, of course, uh, which is the first book of the Bible. Uh, and the reason is because, actually, if you have an understanding of the first 11 chapters of the Bible, that is foundational to everything else. It's foundational to our Christian worldview. It's foundational to the rest of the Bible. Uh, I know you have a copy of my new commentary there called Creation to Babel. And one of the reasons I wrote that is because Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for everything. You, you think about, you know, people often go to church and they hear about Jesus and they hear about, you know, the resurrection. But do we truly understand what it means that we're sinners? You know, a verse of scripture that I meant to, to give to that uh, dear lady that called up before. If you can confess uh, with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But for us to, to understand that message... We need to understand what it means that we're sinners. Where did sin come from? Why do we die? Why do we need uh, salvation uh, in Christ? Who is he? Why did he die on a cross? What's that got to do with salvation? What has death got to do with it? You realize if we have a real good understanding of the first 11 chapters of the Bible, where you have the origin of man, and then you have the origin of sin, and the origin of death, and you have uh, the, the message of the gospel that's given to us, the origin of clothing, the, the message that's looking forward to, to salvation in Christ, the origin of marriage, the origin of the seven-day week, uh, the origin of everything, of all the basic entities of life in the universe. And I encourage parents, one of the things I think that there's been a great neglect of in our homes and in many churches is to teach Genesis 1 to 11 because many people are not sure, should we take it as literal history? We don't know. What about evolution, millions of years? We need to understand that it's the key to understanding the, the, the Christianity. Genesis 1 to 11 is the key because that's the foundational history for the whole of the rest of the Bible, for our worldview, for everything. And that's what I would encourage parents to do is to start and have a real understanding of those first 11 chapters. Well, if you're building a house... As you say in your book, you don't start with the roof, you start with foundations. And so getting that context, and so certainly for mums and dads who have children, uh, starting with those foundations, you mentioned uh, that, uh, yes, one of your latest books, Creation to Babel, it is a commentary for families. And so I imagine that, uh, you know, a parent gets a hold of a book like that, and you start at the beginning and you get as far as you can get because, you know, sometimes there's a limited life on, on just how you can keep your family's attention. But you can certainly uh, draw those attention to the foundations that you'll find in Genesis. Hey, time is almost up, Ken. Uh, let me just uh, comment here. You've got an invitation uh, to one of our favourite guests on this program, Martin Isles from the Australian Christian Lobby. And uh, as I understand it, he's agreed and he's going to be off to the US to uh, be a speaker at one of your conferences a little later this year. Uh, that'll be a privilege for him and it'll, it'll be uh, an introduction to uh, people in America, to one of our favourite sons. Oh yes, I, uh, I follow Martin. In fact, uh Next time we're talking to Martin, ask him about when he heard first about Ken Ham, because uh, he gives testimony that he saw my videos as a, a young man at school, and uh, he's never forgotten that uh, information has been with him. And of course, he is an ardent biblical creationist as we are. And we have a Christian leaders, uh, pastors conference. It's open to everyone. You know, people, all sorts of people come to it. But October four to six uh, this year. 
uh, at the Ark Encounter in our beautiful Answers Auditorium. And Martin Lyles has agreed to come over, and I want I, we want him to talk about you know what's happening in Australia and how they're fighting uh, these moral issues and dealing with them in Australia, and for uh, to give a message um, uh, to the, all the people that'll be there about you know how he uh, defends the Christian faith and the work that he's doing. Because I look on him as one of the greatest Christian leaders uh, in Australia today. Well, borders are beginning to open and uh, people will get a little bit of courage and you'll have Australians who are visiting the US and uh, there'll be opportunities for people in the US to visit Australia. No doubt, Ken, you and uh, Mally and family might be thinking of coming back to Australia sometime soon too for a visit. Well, we would love to do that. And, uh, you know, as, as the restrictions all get lifted, uh, we hope that and uh, pray that the Lord allows to do that. Come back and visit our, our friends over there and people involved in our ministry of Answers in Genesis. And, uh, you know, our heart will always be there in Australia. And really, the Creation Museum, the Ark and Canada, the Ministry of Answers in Genesis is not for America, it's for the world. And uh, so we, we pray that uh, the Australians can come and visit us now that the border is open as well. Well, certainly what you've done in the US is a global icon now, as you say. It's not just for Australia. It's not just for the US. It is for the world. CEO and founder of Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, the amazing Ark Encounter in the US state of Kentucky. As I say to people, uh, put it on your bucket list. Visit the Ark Encounter, the Creation Museum in northern Kentucky. Now, the couple of books that we've mentioned today, your newest books, Ken Ham, Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church, another one called Creation to Babel, a family scientific and devotional commentary on Genesis 1 to 11. There's over 30 books that you've personally written. There's lots of resources available on your website. Let me point people to how you connect with Ken Ham with his books today. Answersingenesis.org. That's answersingenesis.org. Uh, Ken Ham, wonderful to have you as a guest once again. I look forward to the next time we'll get an opportunity to talk again. But thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Oh, thanks for the invitation, Neil. Always love being with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 